Um, well, like James says, so tonight and the next couple of weeks, we're going to do a, a series on race. And personally, I've never felt so white as I have preparing this sermon. Uh, last spring, the end of the year, I went on sabbatical for two months. And so the rest of the staff had all these meetings. And I came back from sabbatical and they told me, guess what? You get to preach the first sermon of winter and it's on race. And I thought, oh, great. <laughs> uh, okay, that's great. And that's like a week before my baby's due. Maybe I won't have to do it. That's good. Um, but actually, so, um, you know, so it's been a, a process all summer and fall of praying and thinking and reading. And it has been one of the most enriching experiences of my life. It is one of the great joys of being a campus pastor that you are forced to think about things that you wouldn't normally have to think about because you have to teach about them to other people. Um, and so it has been wonderful. It has been, um, it's been extremely challenging. There have been times when I feel very defensive. There are times when I've cried over the things that I'm reading and thinking about. Um, but it has been one of the most, I think, one of the most important things that God has done in me this year to have to think about these kinds of issues. And so I'm, I'm really excited. I've been anticipating this for a long time, excited about the things that I'm going to share with you. So um, let me set up a couple of expectations for the evening. Uh, what you will not walk away with tonight, you will not uh, I, I will not be able to cover everything that's on your mind about race or ethnicity or um, diversity or racism. I will not be able to cover everything that the Bible says about those things. Uh, what, I, what I most hope would happen at the end of this time of, of hearing and of reading Scripture and, and reflecting on it together, what I most hope would happen is that it would spark a conversation between you and your friends about things you might not have talked about, that you won't be silent about these topics, and I also really, really hope that it would spark a conversation between you as students and your pastors, your campus pastors. Um, I think that one of the things that's become very clear to me this year in reflecting on these things is that the Lord is, is calling us as a Christian community to not be silent about these things that are talked about constantly on our campus, uh, but we often are. So to not be silent. So, um, before, before I jump into what I see uh, the Scripture saying to us, I have a question for you. And this is great that you all got stuff out to write notes, because I think it will help if you write down the answer. So, uh, when, here's my question. When you think about race and ethnicity, when you think about racism and, and ethnic diversity, those kinds of topics, who or what has influenced your thinking the most? Who, or maybe just who comes to your mind first, or what comes to your mind first when you think about those topics? People, maybe it could be people, it could be, you know, like your, your parents or professors or friends, uh, books you, you've read or documentaries you've watched or podcasts you listen to, anything like that, okay? So take a second, write down what comes to your mind first, you think, who's influenced my thinking on these topics? Okay, you all got something down? How many people wrote down Genesis 1? Okay. How many people wrote down Revelation 7? Oh, I thought someone did. I thought someone said, whoa. <laughs> that would have been amazing. Okay, I say that not to make you feel guilty. I assume that the things on your list are great, and you shouldn't feel bad that you didn't write those things down. Uh, but one thing that I found in my own reflection this year, and as I think about Christians in, in America, I, how few of us ground our thoughts on these topics in Scripture. 
uh, which is what God has revealed about himself and about humanity. And what concerns me even more than that as a campus pastor is that if you, say, if you think to yourself, you know what, I, ha- I don't ground my views on this in Scripture, it's not totally your fault. Because I think there's been, overall, there's been a failure of Christian leaders in our country to address what God has to say about race in our society. And so we just don't know what the Scripture teaches us. And so part of what I've, I've really heard the Lord saying also this year has been, let's not make CCF that kind of a place. Let's not have it where people could graduate and say, we talked about it in my classes, but we never talked about it in my Christian community. So tonight, we're going to look at Genesis 1 and Revelation 7, uh, to, just as the starting point for our series, just a starting point for what God says about these things. So I'm going to, I'm going to pray one more time, and then we'll jump into those two, those two passages. Father in heaven, I, um, I want to speak what you have to say. I'm really confident, Lord, that your word is true, that it is good, and that the things you have to say are good news tonight. You always have good news for us. And um, I just pray, Lord, I, I want to speak with the, with the power that your word has. I want to speak with the compassion that your word has. Everything that I've experienced from you uh, in my own wrestling with you this year, I want to convey that somehow to, uh, to people here. So, Lord, would you just speak? Let your word come alive to us as we read it together, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's take a look at the scripture. Uh, we're going to look at Genesis 1, verses 27 and 31. And this is the, the first thing that the, that the Bible says about us. First thing that the Bible says about people. It says, So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God looked over all he had made, and he saw that it was very good. He created human beings in his image, and he saw that it was very good. I'm basically going to read a couple of short scriptures, and we're going to talk about the, the, the fact that there are dozens of implications that come out of these things. The first thing it says is that we're created in the image of God. Um, Rabbi Zacharias is a, is a Christian theologian and author, and he, the way he describes what the image of God means, I just love the way he phrases it. He says, it means that people have intrinsic worth and reflective splendor. And I'm going to talk about each of those. So intrinsic worth means that each person that God has created is worth something just because they are human. And that's not based on any of the categories we check on a, on a survey. Race, gender, physical ability or disability, sexual orientation, religion, age, marital status. None of that is where we get our worth. Our worth comes because God created us human. So for each person... That's the first thing God says about us in the Bible. You were made in the image of God. You have intrinsic worth apart from anything you've done. You were created because God wanted you to exist. You are worth something to God. And so when we talk about all those categories, and we should talk about all those categories, but, but that's not this series. When we talk about our ethnicity in particular, It means every person from every ethnicity has intrinsic worth to God. This is the fundamental teaching of Scripture, fundamental to God's view of humanity. Every person of every ethnic background has intrinsic worth. And that probably seems obvious to you, but it's actually not. If you think about it, and this is something that really struck me, 
it's never, that has never been universally believed in all of history around the world. There has never been a time in history where everyone believed that truly everyone had intrinsic worth. And I think that, that it was an incredibly radical idea when Genesis was written, and it remains that way today. Sadly, it remains radical that every person that you have ever met has intrinsic worth to God. And then, so Rabbi Zechariah says, intrinsic worth and reflective splendor. And I love this because it goes even further. It's not just that you're worth something to God, but he celebrates you. Part of, of, of having God's image, it's a, it's, a, it's a picture of the fact that we reflect God to the rest of creation. We, we, are, we represent God to the rest of what he has created. We have reflective splendor. And so when God created humanity with this incredible potential to, uh, for ethnic diversity, that's part of his splendor that he wants to reflect. Humanity in all of ethnic diversity is the image of God. And so that means, in, on an individual level, that means that your ethnicity reflects the splendor of God. Your ethnicity is on purpose and beautiful to God, and he celebrates it. It's sacred. It's holy. And I know that for one more reason, which comes from Revelation 7. So Revelation is, is the Apostle John, one of Jesus' first disciples. He has a vision at the end of his life, and it gives him a picture of, despite what it looks like, what the world is going on, it gives him a picture of what God actually sees and what God actually desires for, for now and for the future. And so in Revelation 7, 9, he, this is what he saw. He says, After this I saw a vast crowd too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb, which is a name for Jesus. And they were, they were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands. And the next verses go on and talk about how they're singing and worshiping God. This is essentially God's people, the people that God has rescued, and, and they're coming together to worship him. And what I notice in this verse is that somehow John knows that there's incredible diversity in this crowd, even though they're all wearing the same thing and holding the same thing. What he saw was their physical features. What he saw was their skin color. What he saw was, was the shape of their face and, and, and the, the things that made them, the, 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 the things that are part of their ethnic heritage. He saw ethnic diversity. And do you realize what this means? This was, this was a new idea for me. Your ethnicity is not just a sacred part of who you are now, but your ethnicity is eternal. It's a part of who you are. It doesn't go away. You will always be who you are. Last quarter, um, David Niebel, when, when we were doing our series on sex, he said something that I thought was so powerful. He said, God doesn't regret giving you a body, which had implications for how we think about sex, but I think it also has implications for how we think about our ethnicity. In the same way, part of your physical creation is your ethnic background. Part, uh, it's part of what you look like. It's part of who you are, your cultural background. It's part of the sacred, the sacred creation that God has in you, and he doesn't regret it. He thinks it's so wonderful that you'll have it forever. It's part of what makes you human, and God saw that it was very good and worth keeping. And that's also never been universally believed, but it's true. And it's, it's not just what, how God sees you as an individual, but th- this picture in Revelation is also giving us a picture of how God desires his people to be together. His dream for his people 
His eternal dream for the people who bear his image, who he rescued, is not, it does not become ethnically homogenous someday. God's people in his ideal, in his ideal for all eternity, is ethnic diversity. It's God's idea. It's not a modern American idea. It's God's idea. This was written 2,000 years ago. And so to each of us today, God says, to you as an individual, your ethnicity is sacred and eternal. And as a community, Scripture says God's people are ethnically diverse. It's true. Not that you should become that way. It's true. And so that's the dream that God has. That's like the ideal that the Scripture lays out for us, individually and as a community. And when you live in a, in a country that is ethnically diverse, you would expect that God's people would be ethnically diverse. And it's it's God's intention. Every person valued, every person celebrated, and that we would be in awe at diversity. But you may have noticed that's not the reality of the world we live in. And this year, um, that's that's become, I've become quite a bit more aware as I'm writing this sermon of how much that's not true. And I, you know, I think each of us could come up with several examples of things either you've experienced or you've seen of ways that that's not, that God's dream isn't being lived out in the world. I'm just going to share a few that have mattered to me personally this year. Um, in the U.S. here in our country, I have a couple of friends this year that were sharing with me how when they were growing up, when they were kids, they did everything they could to hide a part of their ethnic background in school when they were in elementary school. They tried to hide it as much as they could because they felt so ashamed of it because they were such a small minority in their school. And, and they, so they would, they would downplay. They, they sometimes wouldn't tell people their last name because it was on their dad's side and they had his, they had his name. Um, they, or they would just pretend like it, it just wasn't a part of who they were. And I just, I remember thinking and, and them just feeling like how much they regretted doing that. Um, and how sad it was for them that they felt like they had to do that because of what would happen to them in school. And I thought, how tragic is that when God's dream is, when God says, I made you physically this way on purpose, and you're part of a culture that I really value, and I treasure it, and you're going to be this forever. And you should never have to hide that or be ashamed of that. Um, I've become really aware this year of how people don't listen to each other in these topics. When topics of race come up, uh, I think all of us are guilty at times of becoming very self-protective and defensive instead of listening. And that's like one of the clear commands of Scripture is that we would be uh, quick to listen and slow to speak. But because we don't listen to each other, it also, I think, causes us sometimes to be silent on our campus when we talk about race because we're so afraid that no one's going to listen to what we have to say. And that shouldn't be. That shouldn't be. That's not God's dream at all. Um, We live in a place and a time where, uh, well, I mean, I think actually this is all places and all times where most people gravitate gravitate towards people who are like them, who look like them. When we see uh, ethnic difference from us, most people don't say, wow, intrinsic worth and reflective splendor. We say different and maybe a little uncomfortable. And I've found most of the time in America, your race matters not because it's sacred and eternal, but because it's a way to divide and make you different from me. 
And I've, I read um, several polls this year about ways that even in the in Christian community, here's the, if you ask the same question to a group of white Christians, black Christians, Latino Christians, and Asian American Christians, that the answers to the same questions would be radically different in each group. And a lot of that, was they said, was because they weren't interacting with each other and they didn't know each other's stories. Because it's uncomfortable at times. And I thought, that is definitely not God's dream. There's a lot of ways we're falling short of that. We also, and I think this is um, the, the, the hardest one for me this year, uh, we live in a, in a time and a place where these issues actually lead to people dying. I remember um, last July, because I had, I had just you know, learned that I was going to be preaching on this, and uh, the, it was last July that Philando Castile was shot in Minnesota. And I don't remember why that shooting in particular hit me so hard. I th- I, partly we're the, we're the same age, um, and, and so I, I remember that. And also because, the, um, I don't know what it was, but it was just that he was a man who reflected God's image just because he was human, and he, w- and he died. Because, and and it was, there was no question in his case that race was involved in his death. And, I, and there was a, a four-year-old girl in the back seat. And to think, like, how that's going to shape her view of what it means to be human, what it means to be black in America, is just horrible. It's just horrible to think about. And when our, when our hearts are rooted in Scripture, and when you think about what the fact that each person has worth to God and that he, cre- he wanted that person to exist, and that's why they exist, I, I think it causes us to cry. <laughs> and it should. It, you know, these, these things, the affected people I know and love have, have, caused, me, have caused pain, but it, it even when you, when you root yourselves in Scripture, it starts to hurt even if you didn't know the person because you knew God knew them. And God wanted them to exist. And there's obviously a lot more examples of our brokenness, but the, it, it is, I've become so aware this year of how great the gap is between God's dream when he thinks about ethnicity and diversity and the world that we live in. God sees humanity in beautiful diversity, and he treasures it, and he sees humanity in relationship with each other and with him, but that's not what we see. So in light of all those things, this year I've been asking myself, God, what will be our response as your people? What do we do? And, and in particular, what will our generation do? And I can, I can say our generation. I'm the first year of millennials, so technically we're in, we're in the same generation still. <laughs> but what... What will be our response? What will happen? What will the next, what, what will, I mean, I have kids now, or I have one, and I'm about to have a second, and I think, what is the world that they're going to grow up in? Is it going to be any different than this? And, and also, as God's people, what is our dream? Do we even dream big enough? Do, our, do we dream God's dreams for people? And I think in order for us to, to really dream what God dreams for humanity and for our culture, 
we have to take stock of our own thinking. We have to ask God, Lord, is there anything in, in the ways that I think, in the ways that I act, that hinders your dream happening? And I think that for many of us, there are patterns of thinking and ways that we've acted that do stand in the way. And, and whenever we find those things in our minds and in our hearts, uh, God's, God's call is always turn around and go the other way. Please turn around. When you find that your thinking is wrong, when your thinking is hindering God's way, God's plan, then he's always calling you turn around and find life the other way. And so as I, as I prayed for us as a community, and I said, Lord, what, what are the ways of thinking that have, that have hindered your dream on our campus and in our country? Um, I thought of four. There, there's four potentially, you could call them like wrong directions that we're walking or just ways that we're thinking that are just not the way that God thinks. And, and places that God would say, I want you to turn around and start walking the other way. Um, next week, um, Cameron's going to speak and he's going to talk more about like, once you're facing the right direction, what are actual things you can do? But tonight, it, the, the images that I have in my head is kind of just turn around and start facing the right way. <laughs> That's our first step. So I'm going to mention just these four ways of thinking that have been on my heart that I think these, these are things that are not true, they're not helpful, they're not right, and, and they get in the way. And so if one of these applies to you, I just want you to hear that God is inviting you out of that harmful way of thinking and into his way of life, okay? So here's the first. I think some of you, some of us, have internalized the idea that your ethnic background makes you less. I think some in this room have had other people dismiss you or hurt you or um, pass over you because of your ethnicity. And you've let those experiences sink into your heart and you've really internalized that. And tonight, God is saying to you, that isn't true. God is saying to you tonight, your ethnicity is sacred and eternal and intentional. I created you the way that you are. So don't hide it. Don't dismiss it. Embrace it and celebrate it and thank God for it. It is, it is part of your intrinsic worth and your reflective splendor, and it's beautiful and it's eternal. It was God's dream for you. And so don't ever let anybody tell you that you are less. And if you've internalized that and found that it, that it sneaks its way into your mind, then the Lord is inviting you. And, and he just wants you to hear the truth from his word, that, it, that you are not less. Don't believe that. Don't receive that lie. So God is inviting you to turn towards him and say, this doesn't make me less. It's part of how God made me. Uh, Second, I think some of us actively avoid people who are different from us, ethnically in particular. I think this is really normal. Uh, And the, the, the first thing to it is to acknowledge that you have fear and discomfort doesn't do any good to deny that and pretend like you don't. Um, but it's actually very normal. But even though it's normal, God says, that's not my dream. Uh, everyone, every, it's, it's, it's a situation where everybody's going downstream. Everybody's going one way. You gravitate toward people who are like you. 
You go into class and you don't sit with people who look different from you. And maybe you don't even consciously notice that you do that. But God is saying, in this case, you're going to have to turn around and swim upstream if you want to live my way. Uh, Turn from an avoidance of difference. Acknowledge your fear and your discomfort. Bring it to the Lord, but turn around. Turn around. Embrace God's dream for his people. I think one really practical thing that's really helpful in that, there are, there are also lots of people in this room who seem completely unhindered by any kind of difference. They just love anybody who's made in God's image, and, which is everybody, right? And so I found it very helpful, personally, I found it very helpful to identify those people in my life and say, what are they doing? I'm going to do that. <laughs> to have like an actual example to follow. This is a person that doesn't let ethnic difference put up a barrier in their relationships. I want to do that, so I'm going to watch how they live, and I'm going to do that. Sometimes, so, I, so even tonight, you know, if you're finding, hey, this is me, then think through, is there someone in my core who's really good at this? Maybe I could start following their example if I want to be more like what, what the Lord has called me to be. So, so turn from that avoidance of difference and start embracing God's dream that his people would be diverse. Uh, thirdly, some of us are totally okay with diversity. And tonight, God is inviting you to dream a way bigger dream than that. God is not okay with diversity. God does not think ethnic diversity is nice. God thinks ethnic diversity is intrinsic to his creation. He thinks it's critical to express his image that his people would be diverse. He thinks it is eternally significant enough that it would last forever. And so for those of us who find like, yeah, I think ethnic diversity is great, but have never done anything to actively work towards it, God is saying, I want you to dream bigger than that. I want you to turn from a passive, yeah, sure, I'm okay with that, to saying, Lord, what would it take for your dream to be realized in our community and on our campus and in our country? Maybe you look into your own life and you say, I don't have personal prejudice towards people of different ethnic background than me. Um, I have a diverse group of friends. But are you dreaming big enough for what God dreams? Do you dream like Revelation 7? Or are you pretty much okay with it? Like, I I, I have heard people say, I I don't know if it's anyone in this room, it might have been a while ago, I just really wish CCF was more ethnically diverse. But they'd never done anything to actually like reach out beyond their own ethnic group. And the Lord is saying to you tonight, that's, that's not enough to just say, wouldn't that be cool? But to dream God's dream has to go bigger than just saying, I'm going to make sure I don't have any personal prejudice in my life. But to dream God's dream is to promote his dream, not to... When God says, this is what I want my people to be, to not say, that's a very good dream, and I support that, Lord. But I think that's what we do sometimes. How many of you have have read um, Martin Luther King Jr.'s letter from Birmingham jail? Oh, good. Did any of you read it in English 101? That's when I read it. Okay, that's good. I'm so glad I did, because I'd never read it before. But so for those of you who haven't, it's it's a letter from Dr. King who, uh, to white ministers in Birmingham, Alabama, and during the Civil Rights Movement. It's very powerful. 
Um, it's, it's powerful for me because it's written to white clergy, and that's who I am, right? So I, I think that this, it, it's, it's powerful because it still resonates. Uh, and so I want to I read one quote from it that, that I, just, I read it again, um, the, in, you know, this year in preparing for this, and I just think, oh, this is so true. So he says this. He says, I've heard numerous religious leaders call upon their worshipers to comply with a desegregation decision. So this is when, 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 when that was the, issue, the racial issue of the time, uh, that, that there was actual segregation of legal segregation. So the law was becoming, you have to desegregate. So to comply with the desegregation decision because it's the law. But I have longed to hear white ministers say, follow this decree because integration is morally right. And I read that and I say, Lord, never let it be said of me that I complied with these things or that I was okay with it because it was popular, because it was the law, but that I was, that I was just okay with diversity. We have a chance to not be that in our generation. We have a chance to be God's people, to root ourselves in Scripture and not what the prevailing winds of culture might say. We have a chance to root ourselves fully in Scripture and to dream big enough, God's, God's bigger dream for all people. So again, Cameron will talk next week some about like, what that might look like to walk in that direction. But tonight, I just want us to start facing that way and say, Lord, maybe I'm not dreaming your dream big enough. Maybe I've never actually done anything to promote it. So if you're, if you're just okay with diversity, God's inviting you to turn away from that tonight. Turn towards him. And here's the last one. Lastly, I think some of us are champions of ethnic diversity, but only because it's popular at Western. I think some of you know all the right vocabulary and you have a solid understanding of the issues, which I think is wonderful. And I've actually learned a lot from you. I learned a lot in my classes at Western that was very helpful. Um, But tonight, God is inviting you to turn from doing what is popular to root yourself in his word. And why would it be important to do this? Let's assume that all your ways of thinking are right, that you have the right idea, and that actually happens to line up with what the Bible says. Um, the reason that it's important is that I want you to stand against racism when it means sacrifice. I believe that you will. You will stand firmly when sacrifice is called for if you are convinced that your views on these issues are rooted in what God says. If they are rooted in the character of God and what he says about humanity, you won't waver when sacrifice is called for, and you'll stand up for somebody because it's true and it's good and it's right. But if you only talk about or do what is popular or trendy, then when trends change, you'll be silent. Um, Some of you might remember uh, last July after Philando Castile was shot, um, there was a protest in Dallas, a, a Black Lives Matter protest, Um, and there was police protection there, and it was peaceful until um, five officers were shot, and they were killed by a gunman who wanted to kill police officers. And one of those officers was killed because he shielded a mom and her four sons who came to the protest. They came to the protest because they had that feeling of fear of being black in America. They wanted to do something about it. They wanted to make a statement that said, Black Lives Matter, And this officer demonstrated a commitment to this woman and her sons 
that said, you have intrinsic worth, you have reflective splendor, not because we agree about everything, not because we have a lot in common, but because you are a human being who is worth protecting. And that is the kind of person that God is calling us to be. And I believe that we will have the strength to be those kinds of people if we will let God's word settle into, our, into the depths of who we are so that it is, becomes natural to think this way because God's word has so shaped our minds that we say every person has worth, that we say God's people are to be ethnically diverse. But I don't think that if we follow what is popular, if we post the right videos on Facebook that, that, and then everybody likes them, and that's like the extent of our stand against racism, that I don't think that will give us the kind of fortitude we need to make the sacrifices that we'll be called for to realize God's dream. If you, if you want to dream God's dream for the long term of your life, you've got to root your thinking and action in his word. So if you find that you are, you are anti-racist because it's trendy, then God is inviting you to something much more solid and long term that will probably require sacrifice. I find um, Liz and I are often having these kinds of conversations. Lord, what, what are you asking us? What are you commanding us to give up for the sake of other people? And I don't know what God will ask of some of you uh, to, to realize his dream in our community, on our campus, and in our country. But I anticipate that it will be costly for some people. It is almost always, maybe always, costly uh, to actually follow God. And so I think that's where God is calling some of you to turn tonight. So lots of, lots of turning in our thinking. And I, I promise you that it's good. I promise you 100% from the bottom of my heart that if you turn towards the Lord, you won't regret it. It will always, always, always lead to life that's truly life. That's what the Bible calls it. So worship team, I want you to come back up. Um, and we're going to sing a couple more songs. And as we sing, uh, here's what I want you to do. If you found tonight that one of those things spoke to your life, you said, hey, that's a way of thinking in my own mind that hinders God's dream, then I want you to close your eyes as you're singing and picture yourself that, that you're walking in one direction and, and you're turning around and walking the other way. I want you to say to the Lord, I'm turning around right now. I don't want to keep thinking this way. I want to turn towards your way. So to, to, to turn from something, turn towards him, I want you to, to actually imagine, like I want, this, I want tonight to be a marker in your life. You say, that night I turned away from that way of thinking and I reject it and I accept what God has for me in this area. So while the while worship team gets ready, I'm going to pray for us as we, uh, as we go into that time. Lord, um, we thank you that you, we thank you for creating us in your image. What an honor, Lord, to reflect your splendor. Thank you for giving us worth. Thank you for, for yeah, for that privilege, Lord, to reflect your splendor. It's just incredible to me. And Lord, we want as your people, um, we want to more fully dream your dreams, all of them. But in, in particular tonight, we want to dream this one. We want to glorify you. We want to please you by reflecting your image. And so, Lord, let the, 
the truth of our createdness, the truth of your dream for us be our standard for what we dream. Lord, I, I pray that Genesis 1 and Revelation would, 7 would be true in our community and in our lives. Make it so, Lord, in us. We, we do tonight. We turn from any habit of thinking that has hindered what you want to do. We turn to you, Lord. Our, you are our creator. You are our savior. We trust you. We ask you to fill us as, as we turn. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.